Thank you for listening to this teaching from the prayer room. For more teachings, notes, downloads, or to subscribe to our podcast, as well as information about who we are and our upcoming events, visit our website at theprayerroomdfw.com. All right, tonight, the book of Revelation, this is session 54, the earthquakes of Revelation. Now, you may have uh, not ever thought of that before, but there are a number of earthquakes described in the book of Revelation, and I want us to look at the uh, connections, I want us to look at the similarities, I want us to look at which ones are different, how we know they're different, and why. And uh, before we do that, I just want to talk about, uh, for a, a moment, Part one in, uh, in the notes here, Roman numeral one, the prevalence of earthquakes in the end time drama. Earthquakes is one of the most repeated themes. Uh, you wouldn't say it's the, in the top five, but it's probably in the top 10, I'd guess. Most repeated themes about the end times. So if that's not something you've ever thought of before, that the end times equals lots of earthquakes and lots of really bad ones and intense ones and strange ones that are so different from anything else that's ever happened before, earthquakes is a big deal in the end time storyline. It's a big part of it. And it's helpful to know that because as we march closer to the second coming, earthquakes are going to pick up in an increased way. And for us in the, uh, who know the word and have been students of the end times, we're anticipating those things. I don't mean excited about them, but expecting that those things are coming rather than are going to be caught off guard and shocked and mad and sad and all that. I mean, we're going to be those that know that these things are coming. It's one of the primary signs of the times. Now, it's not earthquakes as has always been. There's got to be something about these earthquakes that makes it something that could be a sign of the times that Jesus identified. Mark chapter 13, verse 8 Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginning of birth pangs. Now, this is Jesus describing birth pangs like a woman going into labor and having birth pangs. Oh, push. And then out comes the baby in a minute, you know, a little bit down the road. But first, those birth pangs. And so the birth pangs come before the great tribulation, before the great trouble. So you've got a period of time on the earth where there's going to be this woman in labor called the earth in transition, and it's going to be experiencing significant difficulty. I mean, just think about the difference between a woman in labor the day before she goes into labor. She's got a big belly. She's uncomfortable. She's got to sleep on her side or whatever. It's uncomfortable, but it's not labor pains. Labor pains start, and all of a sudden, the story shifts. When those labor pains start, labor pains versus big old pregnant, there's, those are different. Big old pregnant was uncomfortable. Labor pains are real deal. And they only increase until the moment that the baby is born. And that's the picture that Jesus gives us. He says earthquakes are going to start showing up in various places. Not the places you're used to. Those two. They're going to start showing up in various places in an increased uh, 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 number at an increased rate, happening more frequently. Oh, well, there only used to be one in that area once every hundred years, and now it's once every, you know, one every two years. Like, oh my gosh, that's not good. We didn't have enough time to recover from the last one. Not only will they increase in frequency, they'll increase in intensity on the Richter scale. You know, it used to be, man, the biggest one that we'd ever seen in this area was a four, and now they're starting to be 6.5s and 7s. 
In this area, man, the biggest we've ever seen was an 8, and now it's a 9.5 or a 10. I mean, we're gonna, that's what's talking about. When Jesus says earthquakes are a sign that he's going to come back right after that, right after being, I'm guessing, a couple of decades. I mean, when you're talking about the timeline that we've been on here, right after, 20 years is right after. We're talking about the second coming of Jesus. So I don't know how long. It doesn't tell us. But it does give us enough reason to believe these birth pains are going to last probably a decade or two or more. I mean, it's, it's not a week. It's not five years. It's going to last a while. Well, earthquakes are one of the signs. It's going to be a major upgrade of earthquakes. So don't think like we've known historically. We've seen a few interesting things even in this last 10 years related to earthquakes. Those trends are only going to intensify uh, as the time draws closer. The book of Revelation specifically, but the end times altogether related earthquakes, describes some wild earthquakes. I want to give you this Haggai 2 verse. Top of page two, Haggai 2, 6 through 7. This is what the Lord Almighty says, and God doesn't lie, ever. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea, and the dry land. I will shake all nations. And then what is desired by all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory. What is desired by all nations other translations say, the desired of nations will come. I really like that translation. It's talking about Jesus. Jesus will come back after he's shaken the whole planet like a snow globe and really, really messed with it. He's going to shake everything. He says, then the desire of all nations will come. And then he says, and I'll fill this house, talking about the house of prayer, the one in Jerusalem, but not only, talking about filling the house of prayer with the glory of God in the fullest way that it's ever experienced before. So we want to understand the end times is related to the second coming of Jesus. That's what it's all about. When you think end times, think finally Jesus is coming. That's what you want to think when you think end times, not scary stuff, crazy, I don't like the Antichrist. All those things may be true too. But mostly it's about Jesus finally coming. That's what the end times are about. And when he comes, he says, I will fill the house of prayer with my glory. And some of that will come even not to the full degree, but some of that will come in increased measure. Just as the difficulties are increasing, some of that glory increase will come even as we near the second coming of Jesus. We're expecting that. I gave you here in part D, the five times earthquakes are mentioned in the book of Revelation. So you can look there and see where they are. We're going to look at them right now kind of with a little bit more detail. But I wanted you to see where the five are and their scripture references. First, there's an earthquake in Revelation chapter 6 that is in connection to the Joel 2.28 outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We spent a session talking about that and have referenced that on a number of sessions. If that's a new idea to you, go back to uh, when we looked at the sixth seal. When we looked at the sixth seal, uh, we did a session on that. Uh, you can go and learn more. But this earthquake is happening in connection with the moment that God is filling the church with the greatest measure of Holy Spirit power and activity in human history. We talked a little bit before about John 14, verse 12. Jesus said, even greater works than these will you do because I'm going to the Father. Anyone who believes in me will do even greater works than I've been doing. Well, we're not walking in that right now. Paul didn't walk in that. 
When Jesus got to a storm, he'd just walk on water and find his way out of it or calm the sea. When Paul got in a storm and shipwrecked, he had to dog paddle for a couple of days in the open sea. Paul did not operate in greater works than Jesus Christ. But a time is coming when we will. And that time is growing, but is in fullness in the last days. The church will be operating in the greatest measure of authority and will need it because we'll be under the greatest measure of persecution and difficulty. There will be great difficulty, which will require great light and great brightness from the church. God's going to baptize his church in power. The Joel 2.28, your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men dream dreams, young men see visions. Even in those days, I'll, you know, he says, I'll, I'll fill the sky with signs and wonders. And, uh, and everyone who believes on the Lord will be saved in the midst of all that. Well, during the midst of all that, there's an earthquake, a dramatic one. This happens in Revelation chapter 6, verse 12 through 14. I gave you here. I watched as he opened the sixth seal. There was a great earthquake. The sun turned black like sackcloth, made a goat air. The whole moon turned blood red. These are the references directly out of Joel 2.28, by the way. The stars fell to the earth. Fell from the sky to the earth as figs drop from a fig tree when it's shaken by a strong wind. And every mountain and island was removed from its place. Oh my gosh. An earthquake in the midst of all that. Now I want to talk a little bit about some of the details related to this earthquake. First, every mountain moved. Removed doesn't mean destroyed, disappear. We know that definitively because later in Revelation, it says then that the mountains and the islands are completely destroyed and disappear. This says removed from its place. So if a mountain moves one inch, you've got trouble. If an island moves a foot, that's a bad thing. That's its place. Its place is right there. Not one inch over. That's not its place. So if an island moves a hundred yards, that's a real problem. That is not its place. Same thing with a mountain. Well, every mountain is going to be moved can you imagine every mountain on the planet? This is a great earthquake. Can you imagine every mountain on the planet moving 10 feet? I mean, we don't know how far it's moved. It just says it's moved from its place. If every mountain moves 10 feet, and I think it's probably going to be more dramatic than that for a lot of those mountains, there's going to be avalanches. There's going to be power lines and water mains breaking all over the place. Think about all the stuff we've got going through those mountains. Tunnels through mountains. You ever driven through one of those tunnels in Colorado? Gone. Pray you're not in that tunnel. Okay? Houses collapsing, cracks, new canyons forming. Canyons. I mean, if you got a mountain right here and a mountain right here, what if they don't move together? What if they moved apart? Well, what, we, what's in the middle? A giant crack. You call that a canyon. Canyons forming, and this is going to be dramatic. I think it's part of God's exclamation point on the baptism of the church. I think the church being filled with the power of God, God goes, exclamation point on the earth. Launch an earthquake that nobody can deny, like the earthquake nobody's going to be able to deny, that I just put in the hearts of my people. I think those two realities are actually coinciding as part of the message. Every island moved. That's terrible. If all the islands of the sea just move a few feet, the tides, the currents, you know how many ocean currents go the way they go because there's an island there or not there? 
What about when islands are moving? What does that do to currents and stuff underneath? And where do fish go? I mean, this is going to be troubling. When islands move, all of them, you got a real problem. (coughs) Additionally, the earth's crust tearing away from the tectonic plates. I mean, if you've got all the mountains moving and all the islands moving, you had something violent happen underneath the surface. I mean, that didn't, that didn't happen unrelated to what's going on in the Earth's core and the, the plates. It's happening in conjunction with those things. That's bad. Resulting massive tidal waves. Massive ones. When stuff is happening out there, because you just imagine these islands don't gently move like, you know, like they're you know, sway dancing. You know, this island's moving over to the left. This island is moving to the left. And with it, the water that was just next to it. <sighs> now tidal waves created going that way. And not only that, there's now a giant gap on the right side where the island was a minute ago. <sighs> I mean, it's, it's going to be tumultuous. Great destruction of island cities and their infrastructure. Hillside towns, mountain areas. You know, all the ski slopes. I mean, it's going to be intense. All right, how about the next one? The earthquake from the heavenly altar. Revelation 8, verse 5. Then the angel took the censer. Again, in this study, after we did our initial little intro, all of these are the earthquakes of the book of Revelation. This is a fascinating thought process. Then the angel took the censer, and he filled it with fire from the altar. This is the altar in heaven. And from that, he hurled it on the earth, and there came peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. This is intense. You're talking about an earthquake that, if you give me just a little bit of liberty, an earthquake that started in heaven. (laughs) I mean, something is hurled out of heaven, and it touches the earth, but that's not how earthquakes start. Earthquakes start on earth and end on earth. Not this one. This one starts in heaven, and the earthquake is the resulting impact on the planet. And not only does it start in heaven, it's not some rogue angel, you know, starting fires over in the corner. This is an angel commissioned by God to hurl something at the planet from the altar in front of God. And it causes an earthquake. It's got combined storm components with heavenly elements. This, you look at the details of this, and it's intriguing. Earthquakes don't ever, on planet Earth, don't ever include things like incense from the altar in heaven and coals from the altar in heaven and fire from the altar in heaven. This earthquake is mingling with very unusual elements. This is not normal. This is not how earthquakes normally go. But this one will. Something is hurled to the earth. That's just a, a powerful statement that something from heaven, this is not figurative, this is not symbolic, this is literal. Something from heaven, because heaven is a real place, it's more real than you. You might be real, I'm guessing. Heaven is real. Heaven is, is real. It's a real place. Something from that real place that's real will be taken off of the altar and thrown to the planet, and it's going to hit the earth. Real heaven, real something, real hurling, real earth, real earthquake. 
real. That's such an interesting idea that that's how this will happen. Just imagine the impact of that something. It's difficult to know exactly what tangible mass it is. It just says it's hurled these it says from the from the throne or from the altar it's fire from the altar but it's somehow got mass to it. I don't know is it a log? A heaven log, a giant heaven log, I don't know. Somehow fire from the altar is thrown and it comes hurtling through the atmosphere. I just imagine the atmosphere is not going to have its favorite day when something giant on fire from heaven is hurling through the atmosphere to the earth. I think that's part of what causes the response of all of the rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. You throw something from heaven through the atmosphere, and the planet goes, that's God's stuff. That's from the creator. We've never seen that before. And it's almost like the atmosphere trembles. Well, that's what Isaiah said in Isaiah 13, 13. Therefore, I will make the heavens tremble and the earth will shake from its place at the wrath of the Lord Almighty in the day of his burning anger. My gosh, there's going to be really interesting things happening in the atmosphere. Next uh, earthquake, Revelation eleven thirteen. This earthquake demolishes a tenth of the city of Jerusalem, specifically a tenth. I mean, it says a tenth. At that very hour, there was a severe earthquake, severe and a tenth of the city collapsed. 7,000 people were killed in the earthquake, and the survivors were terrified, and they gave glory to the God of heaven at that very hour. <clears throat> it's important context, just so you know what the at that very hour is. At that very hour is in reference to the fact that the two witnesses, one verse before it, just got raptured. The two witnesses were told, come up here, and they went. Uh, I gave you the, uh, the verse right before it, eleven twelve. They heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, come up here, and they went up to heaven in a cloud as their enemies looked on. The two witnesses were just raptured. They were just taken up to heaven. And at that very hour, that's when there's this severe earthquake. So it's again, it's heaven giving testimony of the activity of the saints on the earth. Just like I told you before, I think that the earthquake across the earth that causes all the islands and the mountains to move connected to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the earth, there's this connection where it's like God is backing up the church over and over, making a point to say, look, these are my people. These are my doings. This whole activity, all of this is me. I'm the one in charge. And I'm orchestrating the most incredible storyline imaginable that includes, you know, we like sound effects. You know, you're watching the movie or you're seeing the play and they're, the drums, you know what's coming by the sound that's coming. God has a soundtrack for the book of Revelation and it has a lot to do with earthquakes and rumblings and lightning and hailstorms and it's intense. So that very hour, a severe earthquake, whatever that severe means, we just, the only other time that word severe is used is uh, in reference to the final earthquake in Revelation 16, we'll look at it in a minute, that says nearly the whole planet is decimated. That's the only other time that word is used related to an earthquake, a severe earthquake. It's like, man, this is, this is a real problem. So whatever this earthquake is, we need to be thinking of it as significant. Well, what happens in the midst of all this 
is confusion will abound from all the, uh, the wicked. Because we need to recognize that when the two witnesses raise from the dead, and we'll spend a whole session talking about the two witnesses, when the two witnesses raise from the dead, it is going to really cause problems for the wicked of the earth. Because they are just going to have been thinking, finally we overcame the two witnesses, God's main two players, we knocked them out, and then they rise from the dead, and you're like, everybody's cheeks just clench. You know, it's like, oh my gosh, they're back! We just got rid of those guys! And it's like, we can't kill them, because when we kill them, we can't kill them. <laughs> and then they come back to life, and that's when they're resurrected, and uh, or that's when they're uh, raptured, uh, before all of their enemies are looking on. There's going to be confusion and pain, and then this earthquake happens, and the Holy Spirit is just, you know, putting an exclamation point on it. It says a tenth of the city of Jerusalem collapses. A tenth, a calculated tenth. You just got to imagine, like, what homework did that angel do before he told John, hey, bro, a tenth of this, I've seen it. I've seen it, like, we watch it upstairs. It's, like, on repeat on one of the channels. We watch this earthquake. It's a tenth, I'm telling you. It's not an eleventh. It's not a ninth. It's a tenth of the city is going to collapse. I'm telling you, it's going to be a tenth. You're a betting man or woman. You put money on tenth, not ninth or eleventh or fiftieth. A tenth of the city of Jerusalem is going to collapse in the middle of this earthquake. That's intense. Everybody who's there, though, the survivors, it says they gave glory to God. This is actually going to be one of the moments lots of Jews give their lives to Jesus. It's one of the moments. Now, that's not everybody that gives glory to God isn't necessarily going to get saved, but a lot of them will. Now, you got plenty of examples of lost dudes in the Old Testament that gave God glory in a moment and then did not follow him at all. So it doesn't mean that they're all going to get saved, but many will get saved as a result of this event. You know, this also kind of helps parallel the earthquake that occurred at the death of Jesus. When Jesus died, there was an earthquake, and crazy things happened right after that. I gave you the verse at the top of page 6. Crazy things happened. Well, these two witnesses are like, they're the main prophets of that hour, like Jesus was the main prophet, more than a prophet. But the main prophet of that hour, you got the two witnesses, and as soon as these two witnesses are, are taken up, man, boom, there's a testimony from heaven. It's a, there's a parallel there. All right, let's look at the earthquake that happens before God's temple in heaven. Now, this one, I would love for you guys to spend some time thinking about this, praying about this, looking at the context clues. This earthquake that we're going to look at right here in Revelation eleven nineteen, it's the same earthquake that we just read about. But it's now the perspective from heaven instead of the perspective from the earth. You tracking? It happens at the same time. It happens at the rapture. It happens at the time period that is occurring in context to the second coming of Jesus, which is when the rapture happens, which is when the two witnesses get raptured. All of that's happening. There's an earthquake. But now in this passage, we get to see where did this earthquake come from? How did this earthquake happen and start? And we get to see the same earthquake, not from the, the, the earthly point of view. We get to same, see the same earthquake from the heavenly point of view. Here it is, just a few verses later, Revelation eleven nineteen. Then God's temple in heaven was opened, and within his temple was seen the ark of his covenant. And there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, an earthquake, and a severe hailstorm. This is now the second time that we see an earthquake happening first in heaven and then to the earth. The last one, just as a point of reference for those of you that know the book of Revelation a little bit, 
The last one happened at the seventh seal. This one's happening at the seventh trumpet. So this is the, it kind of bookends for the trumpet judgments. One happens right before the trumpets start. One happens at the end of the trumpet starts. And both of them have their origination point in heaven. And both of them are tied to a heaven storm. Now I want to just spend a minute on this. <coughs> the storm's connection. This is so interesting. Earthquakes and storms are unrelated. Until now. Now earthquakes and storms... Storm up, sky bad. Earthquake, down, ground bad. These are not the same things. These things don't impact each other. Storm all you want, it doesn't start an earthquake. Rumble all you want, it doesn't cause thunder. Until now. This earthquake series, these two that we're looking at, they start in heaven and they're impacting storms and accompanied by storms. It's almost like God was like, how do we make this storm even more serious? All right, well, add wind. Got it. Lightning. You got it. Killer bee lightning that strikes people. Got it. We'll stick that in there too. You just make the lightning hurt people. Great. Great. Okay. Flooding. Got it. Tornadoes. Sure. You can throw some of those in there. Earthquakes. No, no, no. That's, that's on the ground. No. Stick it in there. Add it to the list. Make this storm even crazier than the storm that they were already thinking might be coming. Stick earthquakes in the list of the storm components. This is what's happening here. Twice on both ends of the trumpet judgments. Before they start and at the last. All right. This storm further connects the concept of heaven to earth. I just... We have lived so divorced from the reality of heaven. Heaven seems surreal, fictitious, mythical, and a maybe. Heaven is real. It is a real place with geographic layout. It has a, a fixed point in the universe. It's not ethereal. It's not a, you know, it's kind of out there and it's in the spirit. Heaven's in the spirit. Heaven is tactile. It has pavement and, and white horses. It has, it has thrones and elders. It, it has a resurrected Jesus who has a physical body. Put a resurrected Jesus with a physical body out there in the cosmos in space. He's not. He's in a physical city called heaven. As we go, uh, get closer to the second coming... Heaven is going to become more real because there's going to be a growing number of overlay and interconnectivity. In the next age, the, the city and reality of heaven is going to have dynamic overlap with planet Earth and the activities on Earth. There will never again ever be somebody that goes, heaven may or may not be a real place. Because you'll be able to point to it and go, there it is. It's a city. Have you been? It's going to be very, very real. But as we get closer to the, uh, the second coming and then closer to the millennial reign of Jesus, the thousand-year rule of Jesus, as we get closer, God is intentionally increasing the revelation and reality of heaven, including throwing stuff at us from there. Never had that happen before. 
Well, tell you what, as we move closer and closer, the church is going to grow in boldness and revelation of the reality of Christ and the reality of the book being true and the reality of heaven being real and the reality of us laying down our lives to serve King Jesus as the only thing that makes sense for a human being, lost or saved. It's the only thing that makes sense because he's real and he's God. How could we pretend that those things aren't real and just go live our own life the way we want to? It's ridiculous. We're going to stand before the Lord. He's, I imagine mostly he's going to be confused. <laughs> like, what were you doing? <laughs> like, all the lost. Like, yes, they're going to go to hell, but I just imagine God's like, what did you think life was about? Like, why, why did you think I put you there? So you could just do your little thing? I created you for me, for my glory, to know me and to love me. It's a really bizarre thing. The most severe earthquake in human history. We'll look at this briefly. Revelation 16, 17 through 20. This is the last one we'll look at. The seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and out of the temple came a loud voice from the throne saying, It is done. Oh, you just hope there's not an earthquake after it is done. There he is. There came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and a severe earthquake. No earthquake like it had occurred since mankind has been on the earth. So tremendous was the quake. The great city split into three parts, and the cities of the nations collapsed. And God remembered Babylon the great and gave her the cup filled with the wine of the fury of his wrath. Every island fled away, and the mountains could not be found. This is the second time the mountains and the islands are talked about. Before, it says they were removed from their place. This one says they gone. Gone. Bye-bye. You do not want to be on one of them islands. Islands gone, mountains gone. Before they moved, bad. What happens when Mount Everest just disappears or goes down into the earth? And takes with it whatever. That's intense. Such has never been before. We want to understand there is an earthquake coming. Such has never been. Hebrews 12, <clears throat> uh, 26, talking about, quoting <clears throat> that Haggai verse that we read earlier. <clears throat> At that time, his voice shook the earth. But now he has promised once more. This is a New Testament verse. This is Hebrews chapter 12. Once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicating the removing of what can be shaken. Everything that can be shaken, removed. That is created things so that what cannot be shaken may remain. It's really intense. It's a fullness. It's total shaking. We're looking at a, a time. This is that moment that I'm describing where God shakes the planet like a snow globe. I just can't picture I can't get my head around an idea better than that one, as weak as that analogy is. I just can't. I mean, have you ever seen a snow globe and you, you ever seen a five-year-old shake it? That's way different than you. You know they go to town on that. They're upside down, they're banging their head and whacking it. By the time that thing's done, it's leaking and it's, there's snow all over the place. They went for it. God's going to do that to the planet. He's going to shake everything that can be shaken. And this Revelation chapter 16 earthquake describes the most severe earthquake that has ever been, okay? Jerusalem, once again, front and center, right in the middle of it. I don't know if you notice this. This time it said it's going to be split into three. 
There you go. Jerusalem split into three. Earlier, a tenth of it collapsed. Now it's split into three. But can I just tell you, Jerusalem being split into three is actually the mercy of God. Because I don't know if you paid attention to the language that we just read. It's the single best off city on the planet. Because it says this. The great city split into three parts. Oh yeah. And the cities of the nations collapsed. But, but so Jerusalem splitting into three is actually a good thing? Best thing. Jesus is reserving his millennial uh, you know, uh, corner city or you know, whatever it is, the, the flagship city of which he will rule and reign in the next age, he's going to beat that city up the least. All the other cities are going to collapse. His city's going to split into three parts, and I have no doubt he even has strategic purposes for those three parts. Right, when we get into the next age and watch his leadership, we're going to go, oh, that was actually brilliant. Oh, yeah, over there's the thing. Yeah, that's good. Oh, I see you put that one over there. Okay. Yeah, we got some bridges. It's great. We're going to look at his leadership, and it's going to seem like brilliance to us. Right now, we just read in Book of Revelation. It's like three parts. That's bad until you look at what happens to all the other guys. All right? Next, the cities collapse. Look at Revelation, I'm sorry, Isaiah chapter 24, bottom of page 8. See, the Lord is going to lay waste the earth and devastate it. He will ruin its face and scatter its inhabitants. It will be the same for everybody. The earth will be completely laid waste and totally plundered. The earth dries up and withers. The world languishes and withers. The exalted of the earth languish. The earth is defiled by its people. They've disobeyed the laws and violated the statutes. Therefore, a curse consumes the earth. The earth's inhabitants are burned up and very few are left. That's intense. Isaiah 24 is intense. Revelation 16 tells us part of what's occurring for Isaiah 24 to be reality. Part of it is God's going to snow globe the thing and cause all the cities to level, spare Jerusalem, which gets broken up into three. This is really intense. It says that the mountains could not be found, nor the islands. Couldn't be found. So they, they, they moved before, and we had to go looking for them. Wasn't there an island? Where are the Bahamas? Whoa, way out there. And they were found. But now they can't be found because they're gone. Same thing with the mountains. The mountains can't be found. Wasn't there a mountain over there? Don't you remember, like, sledding down? Gone. Gone. This is the most severe earthquake. It's not an earthquake. It's, it's a snow globe. It's the craziest thing that's ever happened. This is the earthquake. Now, for those of you who are, uh, you know, trivia nerds, you want to go a little bit deeper, I invite you to look at the connection of the sevens, uh, is what I called the last point there in part G, and it's the seventh seal, the seventh trumpet, and the seventh bowl of wrath having the monopoly on all of these earthquakes, except for the one that happens in the sixth seal, which is related to the seventh seal, but the, the sixth seal that we talked about where the uh, Joel 2.28 prophecy happens. So anyway, just invite you to look at that uh, as you have some time. So at this point, we're going to break up into groups. Uh, what we do is we do some discussion groups for, uh, you know, what, 15, 20 minutes, something like that. And then we get back together and we do a time of Q&A. So each one of your groups will come up with a question. It's a great question. So it's a very layered question, actually. 
Uh, the question was, okay, we've got these five references of earthquakes in the book of Revelation. How are they going to impact the lost? And how are they going to impact the church? Well, the church is raptured at the last trumpet. So when the seventh trumpet sounds, the church is raptured and is now actually part of a procession that's coming out of heaven to take over the planet. Okay, we meet the Lord in the air with a resurrected body, and now we're coming to earth to help Jesus take over the planet, specifically uh, in Jerusalem, uh, and the whole battle of Armageddon that you guys are, are probably familiar with. That's all happening with resurrected saints right there with Jesus, okay? Well, when the, uh, when the seventh trumpet occurs and the church is raptured, the church is no longer impacted negatively by anything. And so from that point on, while earthquakes will still be happening, because the one that happens at the final bowl of wrath, that's the most severe earthquake, the church has got a resurrected body. It's like, that ain't no thing. Like, whatever earthquake, you can bring whatever you want. Because the church will be with Jesus marching to Jerusalem on the planet. If that's a new idea to you, we'll get there. Um, so, the, uh, so the subject of earthquakes, is, it kind of depends on, you know, what point. Uh, will the church be impacted by the earthquakes that take place during the, uh, the trumpet judgments, which is when most of them take place? Yeah. Uh, impacted how? All sorts of how. But we've got to remember that the Lord gave us the example of the Exodus as a dry run in human history on purpose. And for those of you who can't exactly connect those dots just without a little bit of help there, let me just give it to you this way. Until the end times, after the flood, there's nothing more dramatic in human history than the Exodus. After the flood and before the end times, there is nothing more dramatic. And let me tell you how that went. God did bad things to the bad guys, and all his people were completely protected. That's how he got the people of, of Israel out of Egypt. He did bad things to all of those that were against him, and he gave incredible protection and grace and leadership to those that were walking with him, to his people. That's the dry run. That is the model, the biblical model of how do you make it through a giant God-shaking you follow God and trust that he's going to lead the people of God through those difficult times while judging the wicked that are their neighbors, okay? So what does all that look like? A lot of answers to that question, but I'll tell you this. The Lord has commissioned the house of prayer in the earth to be the part of the significant, like the, the point of the spear, piece of uh, redemptive grace in the earth during the great tribulation. During the difficulties is the people of God contending night and day in partnership with the purposes of God, worshiping Jesus and telling him he's holy in the midst of all this. Just and true are your judgments, O God. The church and the angels will be singing in the midst of the great tribulation period. The church is going to be worshiping. The houses of prayer will be protected. So while there's going to even be massive devastation in regions, there's going to be protective grace on the houses of prayer. Now, does that mean the physical building or does that mean the people moved because the Holy Spirit told them, hey, everybody go to Midlothian next week? I don't know how all of that's going to work, but I can tell you the Lord cares greatly about a night and day prayer furnace burning brightly until his coming. And until his coming, there will be bright burning prayer furnaces, and some of that's going to be protective graces, like he puts his hand over a, 
a building and then no bad things happen to that building. Sometimes the Lord's going to maybe say, hey, y'all, I got you a different building. It's bigger and better, and it's over here. Go now. Uh, I don't know how all that's going to work, but he is absolutely going to have wild protective graces on all the judgments. So, um, so I know that didn't exactly answer the question, but the question is a layered one that requires a lot of, well, this one will affect this group this way and this way, this way, and this, this earthquake will actually affect people differently because of these things. So that's kind of a broad stroke. Um, so the question is, uh, talking about the division of Jerusalem at the end of the age, at uh, the Revelation 16 earthquake, the city of Jerusalem being divided into three parts, is there anything that I'm aware of that speaks specifically to what are those three parts? Why is that wisdom? What's the Lord going to do with that? I'm going to say no, not to my knowledge, but I feel confident if you looked for it, you'd find it. I feel like it's in there. I feel like there's whispers. I mean, it's just too specific. The city of Jerusalem from which Jesus will be ruling the universe five minutes later after this earthquake, I mean, right after this, he specifically splits the city into three parts, not 32 parts, not decimated, not no parts. I mean, he could have just as easily protected it, like no devastation. It's broken up into three parts. It's too specific. So what's he going to do with those three parts? I don't know, but I feel like if you ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom and revelation and you read your Bible like crazy and went and looked at all the verses you could find that were related, I bet you get some, some clarity. I think it's in there. At least some of it, at least whispers. I, I feel confident there's at least whispers because it's too specific about too important of a city at the most important time to the most important man. It's just like triple important for every reason. So I don't know, three is just a random number. No, I, it's not. Uh, but I don't have the clarity of what those three parts are. So, but I think you could find it if you wanted to. <laughs> That's <was> dirty. <laughs> uh, John just read back to me question one. <laughs> Why are earthquakes a significant part of the end time storyline? Uh, I'll give a few thoughts um, that I have. Um, earthquakes are so tumultuous. I mean, they're so overt. I mean, if it's not a, you know, 0 0.01 on the Richter, if it's an earthquake, like you've got one happening, you can't pretend it's not happening. You, it's so loud and it's so like, you know, there's a reason that in insurance policies, there's a thing called acts of God, you know? And it's like, even the secular world recognizes there are some things that are so bizarre and out there that it's like, it's a big deal and it's rare. I think that the Lord uses earthquakes and even specifically these, these ones that are going to be so different in nature for so many different reasons from previous ones in order to draw attention to the sovereignty of God and the ownership of the Lord over the planet and over the events. To me, to partner the earthquakes, because the earthquakes, at least the ones in Revelation, they don't happen like, you know, and then this thing happened and then a week later there was an earthquake that was unconnected to everything and then a year later this other thing happened that was important. These earthquakes are connected to important moments. So it's the Lord putting an exclamation point at least to draw the attention and go, okay, that thing just happened. We're not real sure who did it. And then God does this crazy earthquake. Well, I guess we do know who did it. We may not really like that fact. but it, So it's God, I think, like adding the score to the storyline. I mean, he's really, he's like, there's a lot of soundtrack that's happening in the background behind these events uh, that these earthquakes are highlighting. They're emphasizing. And so... Um, I think earthquakes are disruptive, so it causes you to pay attention. 
I think these particular earthquakes, earthquakes are going to be so overt it causes attention. Earthquakes also cause great judgment and difficulty. I mean, when an earthquake goes full bore, it causes pain and death and problems. And part of the reason for the end time judgments is they are judgments against the wicked. And so these earthquakes, it's like, oh man, if that judgment wasn't bad enough already, it also includes a whoa, level you know, 30 on the Richter scale earthquake we don't know what to do with as an additional component to the judgment mess. And so it's, I think it has the most to do with the sovereignty of God and him showing the earth, these are my end times. The devil can't make all this stuff happen. I'm in charge. And, uh, and so I, I think that's uh, kind of the biggest. Yeah, so uh, I think that the Isaiah 24 passage that I quoted in conjunction with that uh, earthquake, I think helps interpret it. Um, you know, it uses terms like, is laid waste, lies desolate, uh, you know, the inhabitants of the earth are burned up. I mean, it's, and, but it says, and very few are left. Similarly, that same passage, Isaiah 24, says that the earth is going to be shaken. This is another, it's the equivalent of this Revelation 16 snow globe earthquake. It says the Lord's going to shake the earth in such a way that the cities of the earth that remain after the shaking will be as few as after an uh, olive tree is beaten and all the olives fall down. Well, how many olives are left? Not zero, but darn close. There's only a few left. That kind of a thought process. And I'm sure that the Lord will have uh, purpose in all that. Even the strategy of where they're located and the righteousness that was in that place that allowed... I mean, there's going to be connected realities, but it's going to be so few that it's not like you're looking like every other one or every fifth one. I think it... I think the parable, that go back and read that passage in Isaiah 24, 1 through about 12. If you'll read Isaiah 24, 1 through 12 or 13, somewhere in there. If you'll read that, it talks about what's happening related to the number of cities that are left on the planet after the end time judgments. And it's compared to after the harvest, the gleanings that are left up in the tree. Like there's not many uh, left. And so I think that's a, a pretty good picture. Uh, but also too... There's going to be some cities where the city collapses, but one building made it, or five, or something. I mean, it, I mean if, if this building was left, let's just use Dallas, and all of Dallas-Fort Worth was gone, and 1503 Nora Drive was still here, you would be well within your rights to say the city collapsed. Oh, but what about that one building? Are you kidding me? There's one building left, and you want us to be happy about that? I mean, it's, but I think that the Lord's going to have strategy in what those one-off buildings, blocks, things are. And so uh, you just want to imagine 99% devastation and then leave a very, very little room for whatever else is occurring. So, all right, well, worship team, uh, you can come on up. <clears throat> this concludes this teaching from the prayer room. For more resources or to schedule another TPR teacher to come speak at your church or event, please see our website at theprayerroomdfw.com. Thank you.